so yeah, that's my that's my um that's how that's my that's how you roll. Yeah, that's my that's how I roll, Joe. Oh, good God. Books. So many, so many, so many damn books. The tournament is over, Drew. It's <laughs> over. It's done. We made it. We we all made it through another year. Yeah, and um, now I am just ready to take a nice nine month nap and uh, <laughs> um, wake up in time for the shortlist to be announced. Right? Yeah. Um, um, but hey, all right. So let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit for yeah. for because calling we were correct. it. We called it. Yeah, we did, and that's and that is why we had her on first. Yeah, that's why she was our first interview it, ever. It has all been planned. Yeah, we planned all of it. We killed a chicken mm-hmm. and read the entrails, and it told us this was what we should do because that book would win. And now look, here we are. And that rooster was delicious. Yeah. Honestly, though, I actually had. Station Eleven versus Brief History of Seven Killings in the final, and I think that would have been a really interesting thing to get everyone's take on. Yeah, I would have enjoyed that. Um, I think it would have been cool to see. My like my dream pick would have been Brief History versus Annihilation, mm. two books that like deal with language in a very weird way. One that is enormous, one that is wee. Right. Um, well, honestly, though, I you know it's Station Eleven is a is a worthy addition. To the Pantheon. Oh, absolutely. And just a little bit of stats here. Um, a woman hasn't won uh, the tournament since 2011 when Jennifer Egan won with Visit from the Goon Squad. But the tally right now is uh, five women author winners of the tournament and six uh, men authors of the tournament. Hey. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's almost an even split, um, as even as it can be in 11 years. Not to say next year's judges that you feel like you have to, but you do. Yeah, but you actually have to. So I feel bad for all the <laughs> <laughs> the male writers uh, next year. But honestly, Station Eleven is an amazing book. You yeah. know, I just want to say that like it's it to me it's that her her sort of it's her manner of creating great plot that allowed for her to really investigate some original detail. I mean, the Museum of Civilization is a plot point and just a gorgeous image and a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah. And the same thing with scavenging for particular books while they go through these houses, like looking through people's libraries. I mean, you know, amazing. And of course, just the, the caravan itself. Like that that was such a beautiful and interesting thing to, to see, especially, I don't know, um, have you been watching that show, The Last Man on Earth? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of imagine the station 11 crew somewhere <laughs> tumbling across wolf forte yeah. and he's like ah <laughs> yeah exactly i don't know it, it's just such a it's such an arresting book and it's going to live on in my mind for a really long time yeah i think the the lopsidedness of the victory too just goes to show like nobody really had anything terrible to say about all the light it's just that station 11 does all of the things that you want a book to do and it, it does them really well yeah but let's uh, so let's talk about Stephen Merritt for a second. I loved it. Yeah. I will come right out and say that. But you, you, we both, 
have, I think, the um, the attitude that the point of the tournament isn't to crown the best book. It's to have a really fascinating discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and a comment like that is just like one of the judgments that happen every year. There's always at least one that happens this way. And it means that now all the commentators and John and Kevin or Lauren and Elliot get to go down to the comments and and talk about books in a way that I don't think they would if it was just all of these even-handed decisions that we had at the beginning. Yeah, there's something... I mean, Stephen is a notoriously curmudgeonly person, for those of you who are familiar with the magnetic fields or the... the uh, whatever his Lemony Snicket, he did a series of songs about... Right. Like, he's just, you know, he's not a tremendously happy person. No. Um, you listen to 69 Love Songs if you think you're going to have <laughs> the happiest guy uh, reading your book after that, you uh, you won't. Yeah. But it, there was something about that where it was like, hey, here's a guy who's coming out and stating stating his bias and saying... You know, in the way that some judges did earlier in the tournament, where they said, oh, this kind of book isn't for me, this sort of thing. But Stephen didn't couch it at all. He was like, I don't want to read this. Mm-hmm. I hated reading this. And so, yep. And it does, it forces it forces you and me and all of us as readers and as commentators and as people who follow it to address our own, like to let our own very basic biases come out and say, this right. is what I like, this is what I don't. Exactly. And and ultimately, that's what the tournament is about. And and it's why this thing is sort of like a nice ragtag group at the end, like the because it's not reading. It's not so stolid. And it's not just like, uh, you know, a lot of people call for him to like a judge like that to never be allowed again. But I, I just think that it, it adds so much color to the whole thing. And, and it keeps everybody discussing. And I, I don't want the t- the discussion to be done before we get in there you know yeah. I, I want them to bring things up that we're going to be able to pick apart because ultimately i end up you know really considering plot and and character in a new way every time be- and it's not just because of a judge it's because all of these people are are interpreting a book quite differently right Even, i mean all of those judgments that really are incendiary whether you go all the way back to dale peck or andrew wk or even Sayid jones when he knocked out uh, bring up the bodies and nobody expected it right there's something that that happens with those judgments and those reactions that always show up the people who are like i don't want a musician ever again i don't want da, 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 da. Yeah. but like you've you've had a visceral reaction so the judgment has succeeded right yeah and you know, I will stump though uh, for this idea that someone had that this, the zombies should go against each other rather than being put up, um, because this is—I don't know—I I agree that like the most popular books shouldn't always be in the final, and a lot of times they are. Yeah, I mean, this year was weird. I was thinking about this the other day. This is the first year in a long time that we've had two very popular l- books. Like, it was obvious from day one that if either of those books went out, they were going to get zombied. Right. Whereas last year, it was like, you know, the Goldfinch was the one big juggernaut. The year before that, like, it was Gone Girl and it was The Fault in Our Stars were the two juggernauts, but they were so different. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I think that it would be an interesting idea uh, to, to let them fight it out against each other. I really like just the way that it, it can be very unexpected, and the fact that a book that goes out in round one, even if it like even if it is a juggernaut, as happened this year with Station Eleven, I like the idea that 
a little upstart book who maybe makes it all the way through all of a sudden has to face off against this juggernaut that somebody earlier said, hey, you know, I liked this book instead. I think that would still happen, though. Maybe but in the fun, but now the two zombies against each other, it just becomes like, I think it lessens the potency of, of the zombies. I mean, and I'm sure they've thought about this. Also, zombies don't eat other zombies. Right. No, there's really good science there, Drew. Ding, ding, ding. Little recap of the party last night. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were at Swift Hibernian Lounge, a Jonathan Swift-themed bar here in New York City. Yeah, and it was really uh, it was really sweet. Nosley was there passing out rooster coasters and signing them with fake uh, signatures yeah. of authors. Um, thank you to Andrew Womack, uh, one of the founders of the Morning News, for for getting us those coasters. They're real cool. And um, yeah, it was it was a nice evening. Uh, Saeed Jones was there. Uh, Isaac Fitzgerald from BuzzFeed Books showed up. Uh, Will Chancellor was there. Judge Alice Kim was there. Uh, I guess Ariel Schrag stopped by as well. Um, which is, I mean, it was just nice to see a bunch of people all in one place that are insane like we are. Yeah, yeah, it's always nice to know that we're not the only ones. I wish we had some crazy author party story to tell, but everyone's just really nice. We talked about Carl Ove all in a circle and being in nothingness <laughs> for a while, and uh, then we all went home. I mean, it's exactly, for those of you who imagine what a, a literary party might look like in New York, it was pretty much that, only it was in Manhattan, so it was cooler. Are you going to cut that? I might. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> but, you know, enough from us. Let's bring in the commissioner himself. Indeed, Commissioner Goldfoyle. Um, the um, the commissioner of the Tournament of Books. Right. I mean, that's your <laughs> official title, right? Uh, I don't know how official it is. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any, any titles are official. I think we were just, uh, uh, they needed to call me something, and that's what came out. Nice. It's a pretty good name. Um, how did So why don't you tell us a little bit of the history of how you got involved with the Tournament of Books and then how you got into the booth with John? Well, the Tournament of Books started, oh, man, uh, you know, it must have been 11 or 12 years ago. Uh, we, I was talking, I think, I think it might've even been online. It might've been like chatting with, uh, Andrew Womack and Rosecrans Baldwin at the morning news. And, um, we there at the time there was some controversy over the national book award. I don't even remember what it was, but, uh, it was like all five of the shortlisted books were, they were all people who lived on the same block in Brooklyn or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just like the, it was just ridiculous controversy, you know, fake controversy. And we were just talking about how ridiculous book awards are, how stupid they are, and and, and how uh, silly it is for somebody to come out of a you know a conference room and say this is the the best book of the year, uh, you know, over something that is that subjective. Uh, but at the same time, we were also noting as people who love literature that book awards are like the only time when there's any kind of national conversation about books, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I, there, I, I know at least I had been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just said, you know, you know what we should do? It was like one of those things. You know what we should do? We should have like a fake book award. And I just started rambling and, and, and said, you know, well, let's, let's take like 
a bunch of books from the previous year and put them in like an NCAA bracket and uh, have judges pick one and, and we'll have the whole thing be transparent. And, and uh, at the end of the year, we'll, at the end of it, we'll, you know, have a champion book of the year. I was completely kidding. <laughs> I was completely not serious. And then uh, like a couple of weeks later, uh, um, Franz and Andrew came back and said, yeah, we're totally going to do that. <laughs> you know, and I had no, uh, you know, I never would have followed through. These are, those are like real put on a show guys. I'm all talk. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it started. And, and when, I think when it started, it was like entirely almost a joke. Like this is a parody of how silly it is to, to, uh, award, uh, to name a, a, a book, the best book of the year. And, and then it kind of evolved, you know, we kept adding stuff to it. We added, uh, the color commentary and at first it was just me, but it was way too much. I, you know, I, at the, at the time at those first couple of years, I hadn't even read, you know, you know, maybe a third of the books. Um, and, uh, John was a great friend of mine. John and I met, um, we were both writing for McSweeney's like right at the beginning in the early days in the late nineties. Nice. Cool. So we both lived in Chicago and, um, uh, so we had, uh, just knew each other through the McSweeney's community, uh, and then started writing together at, uh, other places like Modern Humorist and other, uh, other things that were sites that were uh, actually paying you to write before the internet bubble <laughs> in the late nineties. And, uh, and so, you know, we were just, we had, we bonded over fiction. We had very kind of similar, you know, we liked really kind of similar things and, and uh, it just become really great friends. And when it came time when I realized, you know, I can't do this by myself, I was like, John is not only, you know, a great friend, but he reads more than anybody that I know. <laughs> and so, so I called him and I said, John, you know, here, you know, help me out with this. And uh, it's been great. It's been it's such great fun ever, ever since then. And as the years have gone by, you know, it, the, the thing just, what's, what's been wonderful about it is that it has become uh, this organic thing that has grown into something completely different than I think that we had ever imagined it. You know, it started, it really did start as a joke. Right. And it, and it became, um, this really terrific discussion about the literature of the previous year. As far as I know, there's nothing that compares to it in terms of that, in terms of, you know, in terms of just a bunch of people really hashing out what they read and what they liked and what they didn't like. And not only that, but about it, uh, the bigger question, which I find far more interesting, is that why they read in the first place. Why is this important to them? Yeah. And that is a really important question at a time when fewer and fewer people are even reading at all. Right. Yeah, that kind of feels like it, it leads nicely into a little bit of discussion of this year's tournament. Because I feel like even more than in the past couple of years, there was a lot of conversation about about genre, about who reads what and why. And, you know, none of it was, was terribly angsty, uh, with the exception, perhaps, of Stephen Merritt's decision on Monday. <laughs> You're right. Um, you should... Uh, can, can you actually talk about the Stephen Merritt decision for that? Because it was... People definitely got a little wild. Yeah, and, and, and when... when we, all right, so we don't... You know, that, that decision comes in... Um, it actually there's an edit editorial process that goes it goes through that as does our commentary with um, uh, Rose Kranz and, and uh, Nosley and, and the other folks at the Morning News and then we and then we see it and I think John and I we don't even really have to talk about it but we can identify pretty quickly all right this is gonna 
this is going to piss people off. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and so, you know, one of the things that the commentary does is it acts a little bit as a buffer between the judgment and the reaction to it. And it's not because John and I have anything special or brilliant to say, but I, it, part of it is just that the extra time that you spend reading something else <laughs> after the judgment. Right. Right. And, like and on top of that. Right. Right. It's like it's just everybody take a breath for a minute <laughs> while we talk about something else. And. And the other, but, but if, and also if we can sort of touch upon the things that are going to be, um, you, you know, the, the, uh, that are going to trigger the, the reaction and respond to them, honestly, I mean, the way that we, we're, we're not, um, making anything up, we're not saying anything we don't really believe, but we're, we're probably going to focus on the things that we know, that we think people are going to really react to. And if we respond to them in some way, it, I think it cools people down a little bit. We're like, all right, so somebody else has already brought that up. I don't need to be so angry about it. I can still talk about it. But, I, you know, I, th- I think that I hope that, that just having that extra three or four minutes um, is, is a, a, a something that, that helps lead to a little bit more rational discussion. Because if the first couple people come out firing – and we and we've seen it before. It ha- it, 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 it happens. Um, the thing can me. turn into a pylon really fast, right? You yeah. know, and so um, and and we, that's not something you know, that's something we're trying to avoid. Um, well, it's hard know, to change know, a climate inside of a, a inside of a message board, especially when there's like a lot of negativity to, against like the opinion that you hold. It's like oh, I just don't need to get involved. But it means that everybody who has a different opinion doesn't get involved. Yeah, you know, and I think it happened with Adam a little bit this year where um, there was one point of view that was very uh, uh, vehemently put out there early on um, against that book. And to the point where, and, and a lot of people joined in, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm not saying that those feelings weren't sincere or valid. They, they certainly are. But I think that it, it got to a point in that discussion where people who liked the book were afraid to say anything. Right. Yeah. And so that was one of the few times I, like, I, I know that I have this big microphone and I don't often go into the comments because I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like I always have to have the last word, right? If, if somebody wants to, uh, contradict me or call me a name or I'm, I'm perfectly willing to let them have that. Um, or, uh, or if they want to just voice an opinion that's contrary to mine, I don't need to go down there and defend every single point. But I did, in that discussion, I actually did go down because I didn't think anybody was defending that book at all. And so I, just, I did go down and just put in a couple of posts and said, you know, hey, you know, I, you know, I would have, I, and, and especially because I realized afterwards that I, had, I was pretty hard on the bone clocks in, in our commentary in that judgment, even though David Mitchell's one of my favorite writers. That's probably why I was kind of hard on it. But, um, I would, but I also realized subsequently, you know, I would have advanced the bone clocks too. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so it, it was interesting that, you know, I, I, in our commentary, I was kind of, uh, uh, hard on, on Mitchell's book. And then I went down in the comments to kind of defend Adam because I didn't think anybody else would, <laughs> but I still actually in, in, you know, in, in the bigger picture, I actually, you know, preferred Mitchell's book. Um, even though if you had just read my comments that day, you probably would have thought the opposite. 
and, and it wasn't because I said anything that uh, I didn't believe. It was just you know, the points of emphasis were different because that's the way the conversation was going. Um, were there any books you would have loved to cover in the tournament, or um, or or were, was there something that you championed? Because John John came out and said a lot about Brave Man, and right. You know, I I am such a, it's interesting because I am such a slow reader that I you know I read like a, like a third of the number of books that John does, and and Cranch probably reads more than I do, and Nosley probably reads more than I. I mean, I I read every day. But I, you know, I and I and if you compared me to the average reader, I probably do pretty well. I probably read between fifty and sixty novels a year. Um, but I compared to those guys, like you know, I I uh, unless I really really feel passionate about something, it's it, it, it's very rare that I have read a book that those guys haven't, and that I uh, uh, am, am the one who's out there at the forefront saying. Guys, I know you haven't read this book, but this is the one you got to put in. The, the I, actually, the in, I, and I don't know. There was an instance this year. Last year, I did do that for the people in the trees. I think I was the only one who'd read that. I thought that was a really cool book. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, there's just there's you know there's all, there's only so much room, and so you know there like we say every year there are um, you you could make ten of these lists, right? And they would all be valid, you know. Um, so how has the tournament, um, affected your writing? Um, it affects it mostly in that there's like three months where I get very little of it done. (laughs) (laughs) The the other, the positive way it affects my writing is that there are, and, uh, and this is probably true of anybody who follows the tournament. There are always books in this field that I would never have read. And that, um, having that variety, you know, put, you know, we we all like read inside our pocket all the time, right? And having um, sort of this list thrust upon me, um, it's maybe a better reader, which is maybe a better writer. Um, speaking of your writing, so I had read um, Cast of Shadows. I mean, way I that came out in what two thousand five? Yeah. Yep. I read that my senior year of high school. I can't remember <laughs> why. Um, like I just sure. picked it up one day and was like, this looks cool. Like it wasn't a sign for me or anything. It was just sort of right. one of those books that I picked up. And then I didn't even, I didn't put together for the longest time that, Oh, this is the guy who's now doing once I started following the tournament. Right. But then I read a drive from the uh, drive into the gap, which is, it's very different. Which I, I thought it was very cool. You worked really well in like this intense thriller way, but then you also, you wrote a really lovely, sweet memoir how long was that story kicking around in your head while you were working, you, you know, cause you seem to work in the thriller mode. And so this one had the detective story element, but it seemed like it was maybe stories that you told at parties or something before. It became... <laughs> That's almost exactly the way it came about. Um, uh, all right. So field notes, which is a uh, sponsor of the tournament of books and they make these really cool uh, notebooks. We're both American holding made. some right now. <laughs> yeah, they're really, they're great. And they, and she called me up and said, we're going to do a baseball edition of field notes um baseball theme and he he said you know you had all of these stories when we were sitting in the in the office about your days working in baseball i worked for three seasons in major league baseball in the front office and he said would you write just like an essay where you talk about some of these stories and it was supposed to be very short like just a few thousand words and i said yeah yeah i can do that and then he said but there's one story I want you to include, and that is the story about Roberto Clemente's bat. 
and uh, I I was like, well, that I don't know how that story ends. And he said, well, I guess maybe we need to find out. And I realized the whole thing was this whole thing was a ruse for him to to make me go investigate to find out what the the end of the story is. But I, I should say the story in short is that a driving to the gap is this memoir. It's a short memoir. It's maybe 18,000 words or something. Um, and it is about, uh, my father who was a major league baseball executive for, uh, 35 or 40 years. And, uh, he has Alzheimer's now he's dementia. And so he had these amazing stories that are now lost to him. He doesn't remember them at all. Um, and so part of the book is about that. And part of it is about the fact that after he got sick, I found a, a piece of paper, a document among his possessions that, if true, meant that um, one of the most iconic pieces of baseball memorabilia in history, uh, Roberto Clemente's 3,000 hit bat, the bat he got to get, to, 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 it, was, it was his final hit, he died in a plane crash just a few months later, um, that that bat uh, was not in the Baseball Hall of Fame where um, everyone thinks it is, but was in fact hanging on the wall of my bedroom when I was <laughs> 14 years old. And I had no way of asking my dad if this was true at that point. And so um, I uh, decided to, uh, uh, well, at, at really at Jim's behest, that you know, I had to write this thing. I was like, well, let's see if we can find out what the real truth is. And so um, this book is, is, about, is a little bit about dad. It's about, uh, uh, you know, what it's like for a family member to, you know, go through this horrible disease. Um, and it's also, uh, this mystery about uh, trying to solve this mystery about w what is really the provenance of Roberto Clemente's 3000 hit bat. Where is, where, where did it go after he got that hit? And my father was intimately involved in that, that, uh, moment because he was the public relations director of the pirates. Uh, when Clemente got the hit in 1972, he was the one who went down to the locker room, asked Roberto for the bat. Roberto gave him the bat. My father sent it to Cooperstown where it still is, that that still is. Um, and then my father subsequently in 1979 became the vice president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. So if it, it turned out to be true that he had the bat in his house the whole time, this would have been a massive scandal um, in the baseball memorabilia world. And so, it, you know, it was a story that I, I, you know, part of the reason that I hadn't looked into it was, uh, you know, I was afraid of what the answer might be, <laughs> right. frankly. No, it seems like um, a, a sort of a classic also just a, a bit of a father-son story and it's a little yeah. bit in between the lines but you know it it just brings me back to the tournament too of just like I don't know I, I love a father-son story and, and a brave man seven stories tall is a great yeah. one and, yeah it sure is and and I don't know I kind of I kind of think that there are these classic roles but the the details that you find in this story are are very memorable and and, and heartbreaking in some points but also just sort of full of life in the way that is the sort of the greatest thing to read. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> that. You know, and, and, you know, part of my, and the other part of the motivation for really wanting to write it was, you know, I have young uh, boys now, you know, 11 and eight who never really knew my dad before he was sick. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I, part of, part of what really interested me was really writing about who he, he was before then. So they would have, something that they could hold on to and and you know they couldn't remember him like that but they could know a little bit about him well i think anybody who's a 
who's listening should definitely go out and check it out. It's on, it's it's seven bucks. On, uh, yeah, on and it's f- like it's a beautiful little object. The Field Notes gang and the Draplin gang do certainly. They're brilliant designers. Job. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous little book that you put in your pocket. You know, you can take it. You can re- you know read it on a single plane trip. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we just love the tournament and we love what you and John do, and we just uh, we really appreciate all that you've done. Um, and we look forward to reading more from you. Um, yeah, I'm going to go out and get a thousand at some point, probably this summer, I think just to, you know, be a completist. <laughs> Thanks guys. And I, and I want to say too, I am a prolific listener of podcasts. It's very difficult for a new one to break into my rotation because I'm, I'm jam packed, but, uh, this one really has, I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing from the very beginning. And not just because, uh, you've been talking about the tournament of books these last, uh, six weeks. Well, thanks a lot. That's really nice. So now going from the commissioner, we thought it would be a little bit fun. Um, somebody in the comments, Just a little bit fun. Oh, it's a lot of bit. Fun. It's a lot of it's fun. It's a lot of bit fun. Uh, yeah, we wanted to neighbor 73 asked, uh, for, to come on the show basically pretty nakedly. And uh, we were like, okay. Respect. So, so after after neighbors sort of said that, we thought, well, all right, here are a couple of people who, who we know and talk to or tweet to. So we've got uh, neighbors herself as well as Brad McGinty. And uh, it's only Zach and Melanie who uh, – neighbors and Melanie also are moderators with me of the Rooster uh, Goodreads group, which is the other tournament of books <laughs> Goodreads group. So, yeah, we're going to go to them, and we asked them all kind of the same questions, but uh, we felt like they give really super different answers. So uh, let's uh, check out what the commentariat or the TOBO regulars, you take your pick, uh, had to say. We're on the phone with It's Only Zach from the commentariat, whose name is actually just uh, Zachary. <laughs> and... Uh, Zachary, you're, are you from Philly? Yeah, uh, please call me Zach, and I am from Philadelphia. I'm a recovering attorney who works for Habitat for Humanity here. Oh, oh wow. very good. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Zach. Um, we were curious, how did you find uh, the Tournament of Books, uh, you know, uh, 2015 this year? Oh, um, well, first of all, I was surprised how lopsided the final was, even if I was very happy about the winner. Um, uh, the tournament overall this year was not my favorite list in history, but it was the year for some reason or another that I read the most of the books. I read 15 of the 16 and, um, the one that I didn't read was the Ferrante, but I read the first in her series and then just decided not to, not to go any further. But overall, I thought it was a, it was a great year full of really quality judgments, even if I disagreed with almost all of them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we loved your voice of dissent in the comments um, every day. Um, but Did we... you have a, a couple favorite of those uh, judgments that you hated or any that you particularly want to shout out for being like, yeah, they got it right? <laughs> well, the one that I loved to kind of write was um, the Nicole Cliff from The Toast when she wrote about when the... Um, Let's see, the, the zombie when Station Eleven came back to knock out the brief history of seven killings. I think that might have been my yeah. favorite judgment because I think she was vocalizing some things that um, weren't showing up in the commentary as much. 
like I don't really understand what's happening in Brief History of Seven Killings, and <laughs> maybe it's not me. Maybe it's the book. Who knows? I, I, I really appreciated that she sort of was transparent about the fact that instead of um, finding that challenging aspect of it to be what made the book for her, it, it was sort of like what prevented her from being able to really connect with it. And that's kind of how I felt about it, too. And my favorite of the books was Station Eleven, so I'm sort of glad that that came back to knock Brief History out. Definitely. I was, I was agreeing with you there. Um, I, I was curious, how did, you, um, how did you get involved with the tournament and sort of what does it bring to your reading life? Um, that's a great question. I, I feel like I've been involved from the very beginning. I, I came in on the second year and then went back and I read the first year. But every year I've just been uh, waiting for March to come around. It's sort of the, the best place that I have found to get a quality reading list that includes things that I know that I'm going to love and also things that I may have never picked up. Like this year when the list came out, I had already read over half of them because they were books that I was already interested in, but then they they recommend things like Department of Speculation and Silence Once Begun and All the Birds Singing and things that I just probably would have never found on my own that I read and I loved. They always have a couple gems like that, and it's worth getting through the books I might not have loved just to, to find those gems every year. And then on top of that, I think it adds to my reading life because um, as much as I love talking to people in real life about the books that I'm reading, I don't feel like I get the kind of intense engagement that I get through the comment section. I, I guess that's a diplomatic way of putting it. In the um, <laughs> <laughs> in the tournament of books, I, I, I love coming across other fervent readers who are, are, are personally almost um, disturbed by things that happen in the tournament and just get really riled up and excited about reading and it's it's fun to be part of that kind of community even if it is only virtual and for a month a year it's also one of the few places that i find that i trust other people's recommendations so it's, it's just great to to have that community aspect to it nice speaking of trusting recommendations do you have a book that you'd like to recommend Um, Well, I'm sure you guys know, but I've been really beating the drum for A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara. I was sort of um, right up the middle with her her first book, The People in the Trees, so I wasn't sure that I was going to like this, but I just loved it. It blew me away. It was kind of like a a bleaker, The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer that that goes into this post-racial and post-sexuality place and examines trauma and how men deal with friendships when they're maybe equipped with a more limited toolkit than other people are. And it's, it's, it's long and it's bleak, but it's, it's so lush and it's the kind of prose you just want to luxuriate in for a while. And I, I can't say enough great things about it. And it's, it's almost so bleak that I, I, I feel bad recommending it to other people. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I No, I've been it. really excited to read it too, <laughs> just because, I mean, Yanni Gahara, which that... People in the Trees was a huge surprise to me. I, 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 it was not on my radar at all, and I mm-hmm. tore through that book. And the fact that she can come back with something so different and, and such a complete departure from the other one is, is amazing. So I, I'm just in it for the, the change in voice from her. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys think about it when you guys pick it up. It's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty special book, and I'll, I'll be surprised if I read another book this year that surpasses it. 
Now we have Melanie joining us from the comments section. Melanie, where are you from? Hi, I'm from Houston. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on, Melanie. We were curious, um, how did you find the tournament this year? I really enjoyed it this year. I think having read so many of the books makes a big difference, but it was it was a great deal of fun. Was there anything um, this year, you know, w- whether it was in the comments or the judgments, anything that you, you that particularly stuck out to you? I was delighted to find so many other people who had Ferrante fever. It meant a lot to me to know that I was not the only person who thought that book was fabulous and that the series is very exciting. What about the Ferrante? I mean, did you find those because of the tournament or had you already read them and you were just pleased that they were on the list? No, the tournament is what introduced them to me. I had no inkling of them before that. And I was pretty hesitant to say, oh boy, three books that I'm going to read because... Of course, yeah. I'm a series completist. I can't just start with book three. Uh, but there was so much excitement about it in the Goodreads group that I went ahead and started them and thought, oh, right, everybody's correct. These are fabulous. Yeah, your vehemence uh, was what led me to go out and pick up My Brilliant Friend. Oh, good. Well, that's why I went ahead and picked up A Brave Man Seven Stories Tall because of y'all's vehemence about it. I on the fence about it um but you convinced me so that's my next book that i'll be starting is that one so what um what does the tournament sort of bring to your to your writing or your your reading life like um i know you've been sort of a commenter for a while now um i started commenting on the tournament maybe three or four years ago before that i wasn't really aware of it uh so i think that it's done a lot for my reading life i didn't, I tended to read the the lit stick that I would read would be stuff that had been out for a while and, and authors that I'd always read sort of thing. And so the tournament has introduced me to a lot of new writers, which I love. And I really enjoy kind of chasing the the next new thing now, along with, with everything that's on this book. I love looking at the radar of what's coming up and and what kinds of themes are hot right now and how many books about Alfred and Brooklyn we might have to face in a given year. Do you, speaking of the things that you're chasing down, do you have uh, a recommendation for folks of anything that's really piqued your interest recently that wasn't in the tournament or that's coming up? I'm excited about a lot of things that are on the radar for 2015, like the, the Atkinson, because I've always loved her and I've loved Teddy's, you know, storyline in Life After Life. Um, one that I have read already that I think you guys would enjoy is Michael Petrie's Five and 25. Are y'all familiar with that? No, what's oh. that one about? It's, uh, yeah, he's a returning Marine. I think he's a Marine. Uh, and the book is, it hits some of those um, Billy Lynn kind of uh, notes of uh, coming up and, and everybody coming up and shaking the hand of the guy and saying thank you for your service and hey was it hot over there and all of those things while meanwhile these guys are just trying to find a new way to fit back in with their old lives in a lot of cases 
I know you're um I know you're an author in your own right too. I am. Um, I was curious if if you had anything that you would recommend. Like, what's the what's the first book for for tournament readers to check out of yours? Of mine, well, <laughs> they should probably check out the one that I published yesterday because it's brand new. Um, hey, <laughs> congratulations! Yeah, congratulations! Thank you. Uh, I have three books out now, both uh, two novels and one novella. They're all self-published. Um, well, yeah, we'll um, we'll link to your um, your books on okay. our website yeah. and uh, for people to check out. And uh, thank you they're, so much for coming on, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. We're on the phone with uh, Brad McGinty from the comments, and uh, Mr. McGinty, one of my favorite commenters. Tell me, uh, tell us where where are you from? Where are we talking to you right now? I am currently living in a little town called Grand Junction, Colorado, right on the Utah-Colorado border. We were curious, uh, what did you think of the tournament this year? You know, compared to tournaments past, I found it a little lackluster, but that may just be a personal thing. I think um, one of the things we saw this year was a real higher amount of comments, a real increase there, and the comments came a lot faster. So people didn't seem to be debating as seriously issues as much as getting really nitpicky. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Did you did, did that make you enjoy the tournament less this year, or or was it just sort of a different um, you know experience? Well, I think it's a different experience, and there's always going to be things just like reading that we kind of enjoy more or enjoy less, but it the level of enjoyment isn't really what we're taking out of it. It's the experience of being part of something. Right. I'd agree with that too. Um, was there anything that stuck out for you this year, a uh, commentary or judge wise? Well, I think obviously, did you all see uh, Laura Miller's article on so long yesterday about, uh, yeah, yeah. No, she wrote a, she wrote an article about, uh, judge Merritt's, um, judgment but I think was really interesting, and her and John Warner had it out on Twitter for a little bit. And so I would say that is the controversial decision this year, but it was good. It was really a strong judgment, even if in my comments I rated it as being a little hodgy or um, slipshod. Right. I think like every year there's always at least one commentary that that everyone likes to take apart or everyone has a difficult time with, and it's usually because someone dismissed the book for reasons that, you know, are difficult to swallow for a large amount of the commentary. And I think that this is just that year's version of that. But I always think it's interesting because it always makes us uh, work a little harder on explaining why we like something. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought we had started off real strong this year. The, the judgment and comments on Adam uh, versus the bone clock, I thought were really solid in, in hitting on some very interesting points. But in the middle, uh, it seemed to get a little lost. And I don't know if it was the blandness, um, if the judgments just weren't controversial enough or weren't argued enough. And that's what was leading to it being kind of bland. I, I can't think of a better word for it. What was, the, what was the book that kind of you weren't expecting this year? Like that sort of caught you by surprise? I would like to tell you that there, were, there was like a great surprise in this year's books. Um, Station Eleven, I, I think, was surprising in that it was so good. It was one that wasn't expected. I had not picked it to go as far. I didn't even open the book until after the tournament started, um, and I was really impressed. But there wasn't, compared to previous years, those books that really stand out 
that I wouldn't have known about, like Green Girl or um, Clee's Ivy Land. And there wasn't a real format buster either, like uh, Carson's Knox from a few years back or Building Stories. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, Building Stories. Yeah. I love that book. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, recommendations for uh, folks that, uh, you know, listen to the podcast and follow the tournament and uh, might not have heard of... Uh, well, I'll tell you, since it was debated of what is science fiction and what is literary, I highly recommend everyone read a great literary work that is also sci-fi, Dahlgren, D-H-A-L-G-R-E-N, by Samuel Delaney. It is a very important sci-fi work. And then for the coming year, I'm currently waiting to get my hands on a copy of B and Me by J.C. Holman uh, about mm-hmm. Nicholas Baker. So. Well, um, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out there online in uh, all the forums. No, thank you for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. Okay, so we're on the phone now with uh, Neighbor73, whose actual name is uh, Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, where are you from? I'm from Chicago, actually. Um, so what, what did you think of the tournament this year? Well, I, you know, as always, I thought the commentary, it was the best part. Um, you know what, this was an interesting year for me because you may remember I'm a big fan of having like a book I really, really love and also a book I really, really hate. And this year I sort of had a lot of books I liked. I didn't have a, like a clear, like I'm really rooting for this book to win. And I didn't have a book that I like vehemently hated. So I kind of went into the tournament thinking, like, I'm not sure how this will go for me, but I really did, as always, love, like, just talking about books with people. I mean, okay, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. I'm a middle school English teacher, so I get to talk about books all day long, but with kids. So it's great to talk. You know what? I know people think I'm nuts because, but there's this book I teach every year called The House of the Scorpion. Like, I teach symbolism. And it's like magic. It's awesome. But it's really fantastic to talk about books. Adults. People who can read at my level. So, Well, it's fun to discuss books with you, uh, too, Jennifer. And we're curious. <laughs> um, did, was there anything that really stuck out uh, judgment-wise or commentary-wise this year? Well, I thought, you know, it was funny because I think we all thought it was so boring at the beginning. But, boy, it sure ended on a bang. And I thought, <laughs> <laughs> right, like, literally... The Nicole Cliff, I thought her, you know, sort of what she spawned by with, like, the poor Jeff Vandermeer, um, sort of, to me, was really became, like, the like the high point in the sense that from there on out, all of the decisions were so interesting and really thought-provoking and controversial, even. And I, it's funny. I think we all enjoy that one. Definitely. And I yeah. think every year we get reminded that as much as the tournament is about reading, it's also about how we form taste. Absolutely. And I thought this was another good year for that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's really interesting to me how, um, you know, I think we see our own, we, we can't see our own blindnesses, right? Like, it's really hard for me to say, although I, I think I can, that, you know, I didn't really love an untamed state till I felt like I had to defend it. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel like I really actually liked Annihilation a lot, but I was really frustrated by, you know, I kept saying in the commentary, like, tell me why you loved it, right? Those of you who feel like sci-fi is so important, tell me why you loved it. And I was sort of disappointed that I didn't get more of an answer there. 
so it's interesting how people sort of will, you know, the, the commentary is also so much bigger, right? Looking back yeah. when there's 10 or 100 comments and now we're routinely north of two or 300, it's harder to go back and and answer people, I think, too. Yeah, I think that there's there's there were nice little pockets, though, this year that I really enjoyed where people would get onto a, a like almost like a sub commentary, like jag yeah. of uh, of talking, especially like during the um, during the love actually talk where everyone just started talking <laughs> yeah. about like romantic comedies and things like that's I mean, that's again why I'm going to come every year to the tournament. Oh, absolutely. It was great. And I think, I, I, you know, I'm not disappointed by that. I'm not someone who like wishes it was so small. Like I feel like the more people, the better, the more new voices. I found myself really confused here. I for a whole week I was on vacation and commenting from my phone, which is really heroic. I want you to know. It, it, was, it was like, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is how committed I am to this. I, it, like, I would never do that again. I say that, but I would. I was really confused. I was like, there were two different Tims. And like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, like one Tim. Oh, had a, yeah. And I was like, wait, this guy is kind of like different. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> So um, I, yeah, I'm like, everybody make yourself an icon. Thank you. Well, we'd love to know if you have something to recommend to our listeners, uh, people who also love the tournament like we do. Yeah. So it's funny, you know, I was listening to your podcast, I think it was last week, the last one you were talking about, kind of, how do you take a break from the tournament, right, afterwards? And you guys were talking about short stories, but I tend to read actually a lot of nonfiction after the tournament. I sort of feel like I need that palate cleanser. So I have two recommendations, and so they're both nonfiction, and they're, they're, neither of them are really new, but I think, um, I, you know, it's so interesting. So one, I, I love the book The Wave by Susan Casey. Have either of you read it? No. Okay, and it's this fantastic book of nonfiction where she actually, as an author, is, like, investigating these, like, super freakish large waves in the ocean, right? And half of the chapters are her talking to, like, people who run shipping, you know, big ocean-going ships and mariners and kind of interviewing people who make a living out on the ocean. And then the other chapters are her um, following this elite band of tow-in surfers, like people who are so crazy they jet ski in these 50-foot waves and then surf them. We're coming up on summer, at least I hope so, after Chicago winter. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's just really fascinating, interesting. And then this is like a my secret hidden, like, fascinating thing I love to read about is nuclear disasters. So I'm reading a book called Command and Control by a guy named, who writes the New Yorker, I think his name's Eric Schlossinger. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I meant to look exactly before I cut on. And it's all about, like, the various different ways that, like, nuclear, like, our nuclear kind of system in the world has, we've had all of these near misses. And we're not talking, like, Chernobyl misses, but just rockets that misfired or, you know, and again, if you were at all into nonfiction and nuclear disasters, I feel like this is good for you. Right. He's the, um, he's the writer of fast food nation. And also, uh, yeah. he also wrote a book about, um, uh, the black market called, yeah. I think it's called reefer nation. And both yeah. of those books are really terrific. I'm tackling <laughs> it in like a said, like my post tournament palette cleanser is always nonfiction for me. Like it's just, it's really, I just gulp down all those novels and need a break. Right. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on the, uh, the show, Jennifer, we really appreciate it. It's, it's a really 
unreal thrill, I will tell you. I know that's like the nerdiest nerd in nerd town, but I'm really excited about it. <laughs> All right, so here here we are. I know. I kind of um this is a long episode and I kind of it's just because I don't want to say goodbye to the tournament. But we won't. You know, we talk about the tournament constantly. All the time. So, people who have come to listen to this podcast just because we were covering the tournament of books, we cover it pretty much year year round. Yeah, it's always on our minds. Even, you know, our our next episode where we'll be discussing uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot by David Schaefer, recommended to us by John Warner, the biblioracle uh, himself, as a as a TOB also ran. Right. Um, but you know, we'll we talk about books. We love books. And we uh, we love you guys. And we really appreciate all these listeners and the comments and everything. And, um, you know, follow us on Twitter and talk to us about the show. Uh, you know, compliments, criticisms, so many damn books. Also, we have the website where you can click on anything that we ever uh, talk about. All the book titles, we get up there with links. And um, that's really easy to, to basically an outline of the, the book map we create <laughs> while we talk from one to another. And uh, if you could, if you have the time, we would really appreciate all um, reviews and comments on the iTunes site. That's how we get more listeners, and um, that's how we can uh, make this thing even better next year. And yeah, because we've got some cool stuff coming up. After that's Whiskey so true. After Whiskey Foxtrot, uh, we'll be talking to Catherine Lacey. And Lauren Vandenberg about Find Me. And uh, we're going to... Try to have a couple more. We'll we'll keep it secret for now. But, yeah. Uh, no, but we have some really exciting things coming up, and the show's just going to get better and better. Um, yeah, if so I don't say so myself. We hope you'll stick around. Yeah. So we will see you guys next on April thirteenth. Just me and Drew, classic, uh, talking about whis- whiskey tango funk. <laughs> <laughs> whiskey tango. Oh, you. I died. (laughs) (laughs) So it'll just be me talking about Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Oh my gosh, but you've been fired. (laughs) (laughs) The book of love is long and boring. No one can lift the damn thing. It's full of charts and facts and figures and instructions for dancing but I Take that again. In fact, that's where music comes from.